Hello, everybody. This is John Hagedorn, and welcome to 1001 Stories for the Road, also known as Caffeine for the Curious, and your home for good old-fashioned entertainment. Barry Bremen was an American original. He was a self-proclaimed jock who regularly played lots of sports and played them well, but never made the play for the bigs. Instead, he took a solid job as a manufacturer's rep in Detroit in order to support his wife and family, a job that kept him on the road and left him with a lot of time to dream big dreams. Unreachable dreams, like being handed the trophy cup at the U.S. Open, or being the star of an NBA game, or playing for the L.A. Dodgers. Most of us have daydreamed about fame at least once in our lives, but Barry Bremen went one step further. He lived his dreams. His wife Margot once said, Barry was fulfilling a grand fantasy to be in the limelight. He feels that if you have no guts, you have no glory in your life, she said. On February 4th, 1979, Bremen somehow found his way to the dressing room before an NBA All-Star game at the Pontiac Silverdome and got out on the floor during the pregame warm-ups wearing a Kansas City Kings uniform. After a few minutes of layups, Kansas City's Otis Birdsong, basketball's first million-dollar guard, took a long look at Bremer and said, Hey, how come you're on my team and I don't know you? The gig was up, and Bremer was ushered out of the stadium. But Bremer had won one. On July 17, 1979, with the help of Kansas City broadcaster Dick Shep and third baseman George Brett, Bremen snuck into the field in a New York Yankees uniform at the Major League Baseball All-Star Game held at the Seattle Kingdome. Bremen's shag flies in the outfield for half an hour and attempted to pose for a group picture with future Hall of Famers Brett, Reggie Jackson, Joe Morgan, Mike Schmidt, Gaylord Perry, Dave Winfield, Steve Carlton, Nolan Ryan, Carl Yastrzemski, Lou Brock, and Tommy Lasorda. Bremen was finally spotted and ushered off the field. He tried again, hiding in the Mariners' clubhouse whirlpool bath, until Seattle Mariners trainer Gary Nicholson spotted him and had him ejected from the premises. 1979 was a busy year for Bremer in the world of sports. He showed up at the U.S. Open at the Inverness Club in Toledo, Ohio, and played a practice round with Wayne Levy and Jerry Pate before being discovered. Six years later, in 1985, he played another practice round, this time with Fred Couples, Fred Haas, and Curtis Strange at the U.S. Open at the Oakland Hills Country Club in Bloomfield, Michigan. Scouting the course early in the week, Bremen was introduced to Fred Couples, who was then an up-and-coming pro. I had a great chuckle with him, Couples said later, after Bremen had told him, I can't tee off with you, obviously, but I'll catch up with you later. Couples remembered, He comes out of the shrubs on the second hole and hits this tee shot that buzzes the spectators. He had this big wig on and a visor that looked a little out of place, but we didn't care. He just did his thing and had a great time. It didn't take long for people to scream out, Who is that guy? I mean, the cat was out of the bag after the first couple of holes, but we didn't get in trouble and no one came out to get him. At the 10th hole, Strange and Eastwood joined the group, making it a fivesome. All they said was, We don't mind your playing with us as long as you keep the ball in play. Bremer stayed with them and claimed he'd shot a 77 by the end of the day. He later said that of all his stunts, he was the proudest of that one. His most notorious stunt came on December 16, 1979, when he posed as a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader at a Cowboys-Redskins game in Irving, Texas. 
In preparation for this game, Bremen shaved off not only his legs, but 23 pounds from his frame. His wife helped him perfect his character as he finally squeezed his six foot four inch frame into a custom made Dallas cheerleaders uniform and then headed for the stadium. Bremen burst onto the sidelines in boots, hot pants, falsies, and a blonde wig, getting out one cheer, go Dallas, before cowboy security tackled him, hog tying and handcuffing him, probably reminding Dallas rodeo fans of a steer roping contest. The Cowboys fined him $5,000 for trespassing and creating a nuisance, petitioning to have him banned from cowboy games for life. Gate crashing was getting expensive. He wasn't done with football, though, posing as a line referee at Super Bowl 15 in Louisiana in 1980. And two years later, donning a San Diego chicken outfit, he got roasted by security just before entering the Pontiac Silverdome for Super Bowl 16. By now he was a favorite on the talk show circuit, appearing as himself, a guest of Johnny Carson, David Letterman, and then Dick Schapp on the Today Show. Anyone remember the popular cop show Hill Street Blues? At the 1985 Emmy Awards in Pasadena, when Peter Graves called out the Best Supporting Actress Award for Betty Thomas for her excellent work on Hill Street Blues, Bremen rose from his front row seat and walked up to accept it on her behalf, somehow thinking Thomas was not there that evening. But she was, and he was arrested for that one, luckily getting off with a $175 fine. He later apologized to Betty Thomas for wrecking her evening, although from one perspective, he enshrined it forever in the memories of many who recall off-the-wall trivia. In November 2013, director Matt Dillmore put together a short documentary titled The Great Imposter as part of ESPN Films' 30 for 30 shorts series and Dilmore did a great job with it, featuring interviews with Bremen's wife and grown kids, as well as George Brett and Dick Shap's son, Jeremy. The common themes that prevailed? Barry had heart, he had nerve, and he had optimism. What amazed me the most was that his wife understood him and backed all his craziness. Barry couldn't be there, though, having departed this world on June 30th, 2011, at the tender age of 64, leaving his legend intact behind him. With today's post-911 security, it's unlikely there will be any imposters getting away with the feats that Barry managed to pull off. Bremen did leave one nugget of advice for wannabes, just in case you're thinking about it. He said, don't do it. It's against the law. Stay away. Then he added, this is my act. I guess he was right. Search the great imposter, and he owns it. Yet, you can't help but wonder who will try it next. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Stories for the Road, where every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we release a new episode for your listening enjoyment. 1001 Stories for the Road was inspired by our big brother, 1001 Heroes, the research for which has turned up a treasure chest of great stories. Too short for our typical 45-minute shows at 1001 Heroes. And these stories, averaging about 15 to 20 minutes each, needed a new home. So we created 1001 Stories for the Road. We're available 24-7 at iTunes, our terrific host, audioboom.com, and everywhere great podcasts are found. We have two other 1001 shows out there, and we encourage you to give them a try.
Those are 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries, and 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. You can catch all our 1001 network shows and archives, including this one, at www.1001storiespodcast.com. And we encourage your posts at facebook.com forward slash 1001 Stories for the Road. We'll be back real soon. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.